Ron and Anian. When you get up in the morning, if you've got a sore throat, your throat feels sore, it's telling your brain, hey, you got a sore throat. Stay in bed, gargle salt water, that kind of thing. Mode 6 is sort of like the sore throat information for the car. I phoned up my doctor to see what's the matter. He said, come on over. I said, do I have to? My knees started shaking. My wrist started aching. The car doctor. It's like raising children. You wouldn't feed your kid once on Tuesday and then feed it again six months later and say, well, you had two good meals this year. I hope you can make do in between because the kid just wouldn't respond well. Same thing about the automobile. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, come on in. Sit down. Ronnie Amy and the Car Doctor here at your service at 855-560-9900. I've got a lot to say. I um, said to the boys as we kicked off these this today's show i said you know i kind of feel like the blues brothers with that scene where it's um you know we've got uh you know two packs of cigarettes we're wearing sunglasses it's dark out hit it well i got two hours of radio time i've got an awful lot to say i want to talk about stupidity and auto repair hit it but we've also got a little bit of an emergency case on the line and we're going to go right to line one before we even have the conversation about stupidity this week and auto repair and instead we're going to talk to larry in rialto california about his 93 toyota pickup because larry has to get to the dentist and he'd rather talk to me than get to the dentist, which I could understand. Um, hopefully, I'm never as painful. How can I help you, Larry? Hey, Ron. How you doing? This is Larry here in Rialto. Uh, yes, sir. got a 93 Toyota truck. Okay. And it's got uh, 203,000 miles. And Let's... it's got uh, basically passing smog. It's got a high uh, high NOx. Right. And a high, uh, high hydrocarbons as well. Okay. So, high hydrocarbons... Hydrocarbons is a result of unburnt fuel. We'll take that one first. All right? Okay. Hydrocarbons, if you took a five-gas emissions analyzer, you know, the, 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 the probe that goes in the tailpipe, and, and, sure. and stuck it near a gallon of gas in a can, it would register hydrocarbons. Hydrocarbons is raw fuel out the tailpipe. All right? It wouldn't register okay. carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide is a result of combustion. All right? And NOx is a result of combustion. Okay. NOx is a formation of the way the oxygen molecules get combined with some of the other things coming out of the tailpipe. And it's due largely in part to carbon deposits. Now, if they can okay. resolve the hydrocarbons, they might be able to lower the NOx as a result, but generally they work against each other. So it's kind of an interesting and delicate imbalance. How does the engine run overall? Okay, the engine has a, a really slight, slight mist okay. and that's, at idle. There's your hydrocarbons. Other than that, right. uh, it, it, but when you, you know, push the gas pedal, it smooths itself out. Right. It, uh, but it has a, a very you know, gassy smell to it. I, I took the injectors out. I had a guy clean them up and actually went through the, uh, I, I guess you would call it the, when they ultrasound sonically clean the injectors. Right. Well, and it was off the truck, of course. You're going to the dentist today, Larry, right? 
I mean, that's what that's yes, what ha- that's what Harry said prior to the phone call. Um, yeah, right, right. Are, are you getting a cavity filled, or do you know? Is it just a cleaning? Is it an inspection? What is it? What is he doing? Uh, it's just a cleaning. That's just all a cleaning. So if, if you're at the dentist yeah. this afternoon, and I hope this isn't the case, and you've got the tiniest little cavity, all right, but it's okay when you chew faster. It would probably be the best analogy I could give you as it's got a little bit of a miss at idle, but it's okay when you come off idle. A miss is a miss is a miss. And an engine's a big airplane, right. and all it's doing is it's it's present at idle because of the speed, but it, it's hidden as we bring the RPM up. So we've got to diagnose okay. why that miss is there. Now, this is a 93. It's pretty basic technology. Has anybody gone through to tell you which cylinder is the weak cylinder, or is there a weak cylinder? Do we have something else going on? Any sort of formal diagnosis being done by anybody other than cleaning the injectors? Uh, no, I mean I I replaced the the plugs, the, the cap, the rotor, the wires, thinking it was a okay more of a uh, ignition type of scenario. Right. But when the when the when the guy repl- when the guy uh, cleaned the injectors, he said that there was one injector that he wasn't performing as as possible. But he his uh, his basically it's dad. It's a son and dad shop there, and basically he said just go ahead and perform the injector and clean itself out. So okay. he was one of them was kind of kind of iffy, I guess, right. what he what he said. Larry, if you had four one cylinder engines out in front of your house, and you were going to diagnose four one cylinder engines, you would you would treat them all on an individual basis, right? That's right. Okay, so you kind of got to have to do the same thing here. Now, replacing parts is not diagnosing. Replacing parts is replacing parts. Okay. Yeah, right, I get it. You right. pull you pull plugs out and you look at them, and you know this one looks slightly fouled, and this one looks a little corroded. You can always tell a seasoned mechanic or somebody that, you know somebody that's worked on cars for a long time, because even the simplest of things, they'll pull four spark plugs out, and they lay them out in order. They actually might mark them too, because they're expecting somebody to come along, not realizing what they're doing, and they'll pick it up and look at it and go, "Oh, is that what it looks like?" and put it down, not in the same spot. All right. You've got four one-cylinder engines there. Let's diagnose it. Where I would start with this, if I if I know I have a miss at idle, the first thing I'm going to do is, A, a compression test. And I'm, I'm saying that because that's just basic knowledge, but I, I want to make sure I hit the point. What I would really love to see happen here is a cylinder leak-down test where we can okay. – it's a device, a cylinder leak-down. I'm sure there's videos out on YouTube and – other places, but it's basically a test where we're going to apply a specific amount of shop air. In the majority of cases, 100 psi, and on okay. the other on the other side of the gauge, we'll see the percentage of leakage. All right. If we okay. put if we put 100 pounds in, we cannot absolutely not have more than a 10 percent leak. And okay. if they're all at 100 and one of them's at 91, I'd say that's bad. That's how tight of a okay. tolerance we really want to run. We're looking for uniformity, and we're looking for nothing less or nothing more than a 10% leak across the board. All right? If they're okay. all 5 6%, okay. yeah, they all aged normally. All right? What I'm looking for okay. is that one cylinder that's going to stand out like a bean sprout, and you're going to have three at 100 or, or three at 98%. And you're going to have one in that 70 to 80 percentile. And then we've got to decide okay. where's the leak. All right. Okay. And okay. It, it, if I was to guess, 
I would say you probably have a burnt exhaust valve because that will help create knocks, that will help create that will help create a misfire and that will help produce hydrocarbons. So, uh, you know, I want to I want to do some mechanical evaluation here. I don't want to get crazy. Yeah, I get it. You know, one injector may not flow as good as the rest. Sure. You know what? You could put four new injectors in it, four new spark plugs, and the best ignition in the world. If the cylinder itself can't physically hold it, then we've got to look elsewhere. Now, if you do a cylinder leak down test and they all pass, and they're all beautiful, as we like to say here at our at at, at the car doctor, then <laughs> right. you, you know if they're all beautiful, then you know you've you've kind of passed up on ignition. I'm assuming you used good quality parts. You put some good plugs in there. You know, you did that portion of it. Then we've got to talk about that one-week injector because it might be staring you in the face. And then last but not least, I would love to be able to take a bore scope and look down the spark plug hole, crank the engine around slowly so we don't damage the bore scope, and look to see do we have any carbon deposits on the valves themselves. What's Is there anything there beating up the valves? I, I think you're going to find that there are some carbon deposits on this 200-plus-thousand-mile engine. And that's creating okay. a condition unto itself, too. And that will cause NOx issues as well. All right? That's that's All how, right. I, that's well, how I I'd approach it. NOx, NOx is the result of high cylinder temperature and car, usually and high heat, uh, high heat, high temperature, and usually as a result of, of carbon deposits, which come about as a result of misfires, which come about as a result of cylinders that aren't combustion efficient. Okay. All right. Okay. So I'm sorry. All right. Um, more pain, but uh, hopefully the dentist gives you a better report. Go uh, go to the dentist today, <laughs> and uh, you know, give us a call during the week and drop us an email and let us know what goes on. I will. No problem. Thank you. You're very welcome. Have a good You're day. Bye bye. So okay. um, right. yeah, and for everybody that wants to know, um, you can drop us a, a line. You know, if you call one, if you call the eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero phone number, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. And leave a message. So you could call up and say, hey, it's Larry from California. Here's what I did to the car. Um, we have the notes in front of us because it records a message if we're not on the air. And Harry will call you back and, and put you in queue and uh, bring you up and uh, tell us what we can, and we can talk about it the next time. The Car Doctor is live on the air, which is Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron and The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. America. Today marks a very special day here at the Car Doctor in that we want to take the time and the moment right here on national radio to completely embarrass and befuddle our beloved engineer, Tony Atwood, as he celebrates his birthday. Happy birthday, bro. Glad to have you aboard. It's just it's just uh, it's just a great thing to have you here. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad to be with you guys also. Yeah, you know what? We're glad to have you. It's um, And we say it kiddingly, but we love you. We The show has taken on a whole new flavor in the last couple of years having you around. Thank you. So, appreciate that. My man. My man, Big T. 
Don't let me know when you want the uh, presentation for him. Uh, I think we'll probably do that during a commercial break. Oh, uh, which presentation? The um, oh, the uh, extra extra piece of crumb cake? No, no, well, no, 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 no. Remember, you asked me to get the dancing girls. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, they're outside, right? They're no, um... well. Well, there's a problem. I, I told them who it was for. They said no. So oh. I called the Chippendales. They said no. <laughs> now Harry said he'd do something with the crumb cake. So I don't think we'll talk about that on the air. Yeah, I don't think we can. This is family radio. Um, but what I do want to talk about on the air is I want to talk a little bit about stupidity in auto repair. And I know the calls are lined up, but just give me a quick second here. I have a story, and it really started at the chiropractor this morning when I went and got adjusted like I always do on every Saturday. And they said, how's it going? And what are you going to talk about today? And I said, and then, and then the conversation kind of shifted to, how was, how was work this week? And, I, you know, I talk about the shop and what goes on. And had a 2009 Chevy Suburban that came in, and the gas gauge was just a touch above E. You know, just kind of kissing the line. And we had to go through and do some service and fluids and do a coolant exchange and, you know, brakes. And as part of doing the coolant exchange, naturally you have to let it run to burp air. And we're watching the gas gauge. Well, by the time we got done with the coolant exchange and bleeding air, now the yellow gas light is on. So now the gas light's on. The car is done. We call the customer. They pick it up. All is well, right? Yeah, okay. They probably live, I'm going to say, 10, 12 miles from the shop. Um, they went home, and they started off again and went out somewhere else later on that afternoon or that evening, and the car died. Imagine my surprise when I get my email saying, the car died. What did you do to the car? Um, the car's out of gas, and they had to get a hold of AAA. AAA came out, put gas in the car. And it was just, and I know every repair shop goes through this because it's you touched it last. What did you do to the car? I didn't do anything to the car. I I just, you know, the car needs gas to run. And I have to tell you what really made me want to talk about this today, and I don't think she's listening, so I think I can say this. The littlest Anian came home from grad school this weekend, and we started out going to the chiropractor together. And I, we decided to take her car because she says, oh, by the way, I need gas. And I got in her car, and I said, your gas gauge is broken. She said, no. I go, yeah, it's on E. And I'm thinking, no kid of mine would ever run around with a gas tank on E. She said, no, look at the little tripodometer. It says I have 19 miles to go. <sighs> you know, and, and, as, and as much as then I had to explain to her that, you know, I had to point out what a gas station was, and I, I had that whole fatherly conversation with her. You know, this is a gas station. You go in, you give the guy your credit card, the man will put gas in the tank, and you won't get stuck on the side of the road and have to call me complaining that your car doesn't run. A little bit of common sense. And and I realize in some cases it's it's difficult. There's, there's extenuating circumstances. But when you bring a car into a repair shop, make sure there's enough gas in it. It is not the repair shop's obligation to put gas in the car. It's the repair shop's obligation to repair the car and service the car properly. And if you get stuck after the repair because you didn't put gas in it, it is not the repair shop's fault. As a result, she turned on her check engine light. I followed up with her the next day, and I said, hey, you want to come by? I'll take a look and see what the check engine light is. Maybe it started to misfire because it was running low on fuel and chugging and, you know, running rough. And, you know, we're nice guys. We'll do it for no charge. But... I kind of got a snarky answer about it. I can't be bothered with this today. My husband's going to have to deal with it when he comes home. And that's when I stopped. I just stopped responding. It's just, so, you know, do America a favor. You want to put everybody in a better mood? You bring your car to a repair shop. 
put gas in the tank. It really would be a wonderful experience. The Littlest Anian, that's a whole other conversation. But I will tell you this, running a gas tank down low, like I explained to her, like I explained to you, running a gas tank down low on a consistent basis, besides running out of gas every once in a while, the one thing you're going to do is shorten the life of the fuel pump because fuel is what cools that fuel pump and helps ensure longer life. So things to think about. Let's get on over and talk to Monroe. You've heard enough from me. Let's get over to Monroe and talk to Monroe in Springfield, Illinois, 2002 Mercedes with some tire wear issues. Monroe, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help, sir? Good afternoon. I have a uh, Mercedes 2002 S600. Uh, I have put about three sets of tires on it. Okay. The tire wear is uneven. I've had it aligned, and the tire wear is still uneven. I don't know what to do, and I'm looking for some answers. Who's doing the alignments? A local guy in uh, Taylorville, Illinois. Okay. Does he does he have the ability to properly load the suspension as per Mercedes request, or is he is he is he treating it like he's aligning a Chevy Impala? Probably the latter more than the former. Right. And if you do not load the suspension on those vehicles, some of the German cars require specific weights in them. Weight in the trunk, weight in the passenger seats require specific weight and preloading of the suspension. It's pre-alignment preparation that has to be done. Otherwise, the alignment never will come out correctly. I would have okay. to guess, and I have to talk in terms of New Jersey dollars, Monroe, because I, I don't want to make a guess as to what Illinois dollars would be. Sure. A typical Mercedes-Benz alignment here in New Jersey is anywhere from 150 to $240. Done That's pro- not unreasonable. Done properly. For what the car, I mean, yeah. look, at what, look at what the car is. So, you know, aside from the obvious, worn or loose parts, properly, uh, improperly inflated tires, you know, one day you're carrying a load of anvils in the trunk and the next day the anvils are out. First thing I want to do is I want to see somebody do an alignment. I want a printout of that alignment. I want verification that, it al- that that alignment was done as per Mercedes spec with proper pre-weight setup. And then we can have a conversation that the tires are still wearing and talk a little theory from there. So do that for me this week. Get back to me. We'll kind of go from there. Hey, coming up next, a little bit of a surprise when the car doctor had a guest this week at the shop. Stay tuned. Hi, Ron and Amy and the car doctor here. So... You want to know what goes on in the shop. We're here at RA Automotive today, something a little bit different. And in terms of what goes on in the shop, things like this. My friend Big Jim, Big Jim Mouchette, stopped in. Jim does concept cars and artwork. He'll take your car and your motorcycle, right, Jim? Yes, sir. And and, and turn it into a picture or a portrait, as it were. And, well, we thought we'd show you a little bit of, of, of what Jim does. Jim, um, you've been doing this how long? I've been doing this professionally since uh, the fall of 2002. I've been drawing cars ever since I was five years old. Cars are it for you. Yes, cars are it. I also got into boats for a little while and motorcycles. So I, I, I'm i an all-around gearhead type person. I love all these, anything mechanical. What's, what's your everyday car? My everyday car, believe it or not, is a 2011 Jeep Compass base model I bought brand new. And And what's your dream car? My dream car, actually, I got three of them, if you will. Go ahead. Uh, 
any fourth Thunderbird, especially the the oddball years like the '67 through '69, is one of my favorites. And the 1970 Plymouth Barracuda hardtop. And, and I and I see the Cuda evidenced in some of your portraits, which we're going to show everybody here in, in a minute. So you're a Cuda guy. Oh, I am a Cuda guy. Cuda Plymouth GTX Chargers stuff like that. And, and what's the third one? Uh, the third one actually is a Jeep Grand Cherokee because my father owned uh started leasing them back in 1997 and i just find them an all-around good usable vehicle for my needs so you were the kid playing with cars from the from an early age yes i was i had a mat i had a matchbox and hot wheels collection that was a box full of them do you, do you still have it uh, unfortunately, no, but I started collecting them again in college just to, for a display to make my dorm room look a little bit more um, homey. More homey, exactly. So, so so where's your inspiration come from? You know, you're an artist, so what inspires you? Well, I get inspired by looking at what other artists do. Primarily, Chip Foose is one of my big inspirations as far as design and my style. Yeah, and, and you take that and you expand on it and... Um, you're basically you can draw a car either as 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 it appears or as a custom. Is that what is that what I understand? Yes, I pre- yes I do it do, do it as the vehicle appears or as a custom or a, a, as a customer would want. For example, their dream car. I I work with them o- over all sorts of details that they would like with with it, whether it be wheels, tires, colors, etc. So if somebody came to you and said, "Hey, I've got a." I've got a green and white two-door 55 Chevy Bel Air straight six standard wheels hubcaps. I want to see how it looks with these wheels, this color, this hood scoop. It, it, could you draw that as a concept? Yes, I can. So, I could draw So it. they could actually see what the car looks like before spending the money to build the car. Exactly. That's right. the, that's the whole That's idea. what I do. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's take a look at some of what you've done. Um, we've got your portfolio here. Uh, what, what, what do we see here, Jim? What is this? Right here is a 1967 Plymouth GTX in the factory copper color. I forget the actual name of the fact, the color of the car, but it has the the 1959 recall wheels on it, on it, which is a wheel style that I that, that I like. They started actually reproducing. And and, that, and you've, you're drawing this car. You're showing it lowered with the rectangular exhaust tips. And um, you, you've actually put quite a bit of detail into this. It's stock, but it's not stock, right? Yeah, it's more or less a mild resto mod, you could call it, because it looks similar to uh, the. The idea was with with this, if somebody were to build this car in 1970 or 71, what would it look like? Right, right. And then what's this down below it here? What's this? This is a. Uh, this is, is this a late model Charger? Yeah, this is the late model Charger Hellcat in granite metallic with the sepia brown leather interior in it. This car is essentially all stock except for uh, switching the marker lights to clear and adding the black gloss black hood and gloss black roof to right. it. Other than that, it's pretty much a stock car because it's 700 horsepower. Yeah, it's beautiful. Turn the page, Jim. Let me, while I'm holding this up. Here, let's, let's. No, no, what's up top? There you go. There's your there's your Cuda. This is my Cuda. This is, uh, it has the same recall wheels and it's lowered. L- lowered just like how the GTX is. This is basically from the same series. And the idea was uh, just do like a mild custom like how the car would have been built in 71 or 72. Right, right. Now, um, you've got it on, yeah, on both. I notice you've got the wider tires. You've got the red line 
tire on it. Um, a lot of detail. You know, a lot of things you don't see. Rearview mirror, the streaks, the way it would look. Um, uh, truly, it almost looks like a picture, Jim. Not a not something you 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 painted or or or, or, or portraited, if that's the right word. Well, um, customers tell me these actually. It looks to them like a watercolor, actually. Right. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Yeah, um, it's it's amazing. Um, turn the page. What's next? Next, we got. Now, now it's not every day you see a slammed, lowered Mercury. What is that? Mercury Marauder, Jim? No, it's actually a 1998 Mercury Grand Marquis, and uh, light prairie tan metallics. The color I actually got a friend of mine that owns one of these, so I decided. Decided to do my own resto mod, uh, resto mod version on it. The front uh, fascia is actually off the later 2007 through 2011 Mercury Marauders, so you get the rectangular fog lamps on it. It has the 2003 uh, 10th anniversary edition Cobra wheels on it, but it has the Mercury center caps in it, so it looks like it's OEM. You're you're a detail guy. Yeah, yeah, I can I can I can see that. You're you're really a detail guy. Let's take a look over here at the here. Let's lower this. Let's put this down. Let's take a look over here what you've got on this chair. Take a look over here. We're just walking around. Tom and Harry are running the camera today, folks. So here, Jimmy, stand over here, Bib. Um, uh, what have what have you got here? Let me get on your other side. Let's do it like this. Uh, what have you got here? This is this is now this is the way somebody would purchase. Um, if they purchased a, 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 a drawing from you, right? This is all framed and um, laid out. This is a what? This is a Ferrari? Yeah, this is a Ferrari, the Ferrari F12. Uh, this one is uh, is in the trademark Ferrari Russo Red with the cream leather interior in it with the black wheels. Wow. Now, this isn't exactly... There's something here. What is this? What's what's behind there, Jimmy? I don't. You, you got a surprise for me here, I oh, think. Oh, I got a surprise for you. All right, let's see what you got. Wow, look at that! Holy cow! We're looking at. Tell everybody what we're looking at here, Jim. We're looking at your '55 Chevy, Ryan. It's black. Yeah, it's black. It's got the hood scoop. It's got the little stubby antenna. Jim, you got every detail of the car, right down to the wheels, the wider tires in the back, the uh, the the the, the uh, traction bars on the rear axle. That's crazy. That that looks like it. That looks like it's a picture, not a not a portrait. I haven't got your hanging dice in the rearview mirror. Yeah, I saw that. That's um that's crazy stuff, Jimmy. Well, listen, um, I appreciate you taking the time to come down here to the shop. I know you're a busy guy, and um, this is what happens. You never know what's going to happen. Who's going to stop in at the shop, Jim? Is there a place the listeners can go and the viewers can go if they want more information about what it is you do or they want you to do something for them? Yeah, you can go to uh, www.bigjimsart.com or look or look me up on Facebook at uh, Big Jim's Custom Concepts, or you can e- email me at bigjimsart at gmail.com. Bigjimsart at gmail.com. Cool beans. Hey, Jimmy, thanks for coming by the shop today. Always a well, pleasure to I- see you, sir. Take good care. I'm Ron Anini in the car, Doctor. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back. Ron and Andy in the car, Doctor. Once again, I want to thanks, say thanks to Big Jim, Big Jim Mouchette. Um, we're going to have to get his – what's his website again, Tom? Do you uh, have it off the top of your head? Big Jim's Custom 
BigJimsArt.com. BigJimsArt.com. Also, if you get out to the Car Doctor Facebook page, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor, we've got the video of that audio. The video of that audio. Right. The video of that audio um, uh, rolling along because we were actually taping it and uh, videoing it, you know, taking pictures. So um, uh, we, we took it both ways. You can actually see the pictures that Jim is describing. When you see the pictures of the 55, it's it's just amazing. He's got some talent. It's just absolutely crazy. But um, anyway, let's get back to fixing cars. Let's get over and talk to let's go talk to Steve on line one, 2005 Dodge Ram. Steve, I appreciate you waiting there very patiently, sir. How can I help? Hey, car doctor. How you doing? All I right. love your show. Thank you, sir. What's going um, on? I've got a 2005 2500 Ram right. with a 5.7 liter Hemi. Okay. And um, I wanted to find out if it would be legal to, in my state, to put uh, to take out the catalytic converter. I'm going to say no because I, that's tampering federal emissions. Uh, emissions, catalytic converters, things like that, that's done at the federal level, regardless of what I the see. state inspection law says. That is federal tampering. All right. And, I see. But my question would be, why would you want to? A friend of mine who's worked on my exhaust system is telling me that I would gain fifteen percent horsepower. How does he? How does he support that? I don't, and I'm not saying you wouldn't. But what knowledge is he drawing? What tests has he seen? What you know has he has he seen vehicles with cats removed, run on dynos, produce fifteen yeah. percent more horsepower? Yeah, from my his experience, I should say, he told me that. He's done this on other vehicles, right? And he he, he finds that on a dyno and all that kind of thing that it it does gain horsepower. What other modifications are they doing to the vehicles? Well, headers and and free flow exhaust muffler. Right. Anything on the intake side? Yeah, the intake, cold air intakes, and also you gain a lot of fuel economy. He tells me. Okay, so. You know, what's the goal here, Steve? Are we are we looking for horsepower? Are we looking for performance? Are we looking for fuel economy? All of the above. I'm looking for I'm looking for performance and fuel economy and justify it by cost because you, you know, there's a payback on your investment right. once you, you know, save in fuel. Right. I think if it were me and what I've done, I'll take it to a level, and, and I just wanted to hear that he's doing it on both sides of the engine, intake and exhaust. A lot of people make the error of they just assume a better better flowing exhaust is all you need to do. We've, we've said it here a million times, an engine's an air pump. What, what goes in easy comes out easy, et cetera. What I would right. do is I would look at a performance intake. I would look at a more free-flowing exhaust. I would leave the cats in place, and I'd probably consider chipping it. See what sort of modifications okay. a chip would do. Uh, chips that where are. Is there, go ahead. I'm sorry. Where is there a good place to get a good chip? Well, you know that's a question of. I mean, there's a bunch of places online. There's a bunch of people doing chips. Um, the folks over at Super Chips make a good product. What I would do is I would get out online. I would look at some of the forums. Fortunately, you're not the first guy trying to modify a 2005 Dodge Ram with a Hemi. And I'm sure there's more than a lot of reading material out there as to guys that have done it, what works, what doesn't. And I would talk to okay. each I would talk to each manufacturer that people recommend. And you know, this is no different than buying the car, Steve. Are they just trying to sell you a chip or do you really believe they're going to stand behind the product? And right, exactly. You know, that's 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 important to me. And then 
What's their tech support like? That's important to me. And if I have a problem, are they going to respond to it? And are they going to give me the information I need and the support that I need? You know. Yeah, because I've, I've, I've heard nightmares about chips. You know, people buy the cheapest ones and they put them in their vehicles and they just don't work. You know. Right. And and, and that in of itself, that in of itself is, is the problem. So let's leave it at, you know what, I would talk to the chip people first because the modifications they make to the engine are going to dictate what sort of modifications they may or may not want to the exhaust and the intake side of the engine. And you know what? I'm going to make you the on-the-street reporter. When you find out, give us a call back. We want to know what you ended up deciding to do, and we'll put it up here for everyone else's benefit and everyone can gain some knowledge. I appreciate the call, Steve, and I appreciate you being part of the Car Doctor family. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Ron Nanning, the car doctor here. By the way, I should point out, next hour, we're going to giving away the Denso Spring Tune-Up Kit for someone's vehicle featuring a set of Denso Iridium TT spark plugs and air filter and wiper blades. So stick around for that. Right now, let's get over and talk to DJ on line two, I believe that is, with some questions about Suburbans. DJ, two for a nickel in the last two minutes. What do you got? DJ, are you there, sir? DJ, is DJ there? DJ wants. Uh-oh. DJ's oh, gone. How about that? There you go. Is he there? DJ, oh, you there? Yeah, yeah, there you go. No, sorry about that. What do you got, kiddo? We got two minutes. Go. Okay, I've got an old 3 Suburban in the rear brake line, the hard line that travels along the frame rail behind the gas tank. Right. He blew on me the other day. Okay. Um, and I purchased a set of pre-bent lines. From General Motors. From GM, right? Uh, I actually went with the Dorman kit. Okay. Um, now, my question is, am I going to be able to get that hard line down the frame rail past the gas tank already bent. I didn't know if you had any experience. Yeah, and the answer is, the answer is, in my experience, no, because there's too many obstacles in the way, and you want to get it tucked into the clips. If you want to make it nice, the tank really has to come out. All okay. Right? So that's okay. that's number one. And, you know, I've seen that job done at the dealer level. GM actually has a kit now under the Delco line where you can buy all pre-bent lines for that generation of vehicles because they're yep. having such problems with them. And I've seen that repair be $1,800, $2,000. So, um, yeah. you know, doing it yourself can have some justification. Keep track of your receipts because there's stories in the rumor mill about GM maybe being pulled on the carpet for that, and it might become a recall. And if it is, if you've paid for repairs or if you've paid for parts, you stand a chance to get it back, although in this case, the actual labor is, is, is the worst part of the bill. So second question. Right. Second question. Okay, second question. Well, when that truck went down, I pulled the old one out and uh, realized it's overcooling. It's not coming up to temperature when I drive it. Okay. Um, and so it, it doesn't seem like the fan is stuck engaged, um, and it doesn't feel like I've got any coolant running through the lower radiator hose okay what makes you think it doesn't just have a plain old stuck thermostat or a bad thermostat an open well, that, thermostat that crossed my mind because i replaced it on this vehicle before right um and and so i wasn't sure if, if i've got the if the thermostat's open and constantly running does it make sense that the top heater hose is basically just warm and the bottom heater hose i don't feel any heat at all 
Yeah, it sounds like you're not coming up to temperature. It sounds like the stat's stuck open, coolant's flowing through the radiator, being cooled, especially this time of year, and it's never building enough heat. Here's what I would do. Let's let's call it maintenance. Let's call it it's been a while since you've done it. Get out to Stant.com to read more, but pick yourself up a Stant Superstat, one of the best stats on the market today, OE quality. Put a Stant Superstat in it. Again, stamp.com, and from there, top it with coolant, then take some engine measurement readings with a scan tool, see what kind of readings you get. Call me back next week. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya!